1: Hi, I'm Kylie Merritt, the founder of Ausbiz. Our goal at Ausbiz is to provide you with news and information you can use to make better investment decisions, whether it's live, on demand, in the newsletter, or a podcast like the COB. We make it available at no cost to you. The bigger our audience, the more we can invest in great content. So I have a favour to ask. If you could take a minute to leave a review of the COB in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help us grow. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening.
0: From Barangaroo
1: Studios, the Ausbiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance.
0: Hello and welcome to the COB. It is Thursday and again, uh, well, I'm Andrew Gagan, I better say, because I haven't done this for a while. I'm joined by <laughs> Annette Beecher. Annette, how's your day been?
1: Oh, it's been a been a busy one. We were almost spared the uh, the drop of companies today, but I think we just got Maya.
0: Indeed. In fact, we'll get to that. But look, once again, the story has been those bond yields are... Uh, the spike in the yields, um, putting investors back on edge, essentially. And we saw that in Wall Street overnight. That led to another tech sell-off, and that essentially spilled into our zone.
1: It it sure did. Um, I noticed our curve steepened uh, a little as well. Since the RBA has the short end well under control, the long end gets to flap around as much as it wants. So that steeper yield curve probably gave the banks um, a bit of a lift, but certainly not much joy elsewhere.
0: No, because we saw healthcare stocks, they certainly led the decliners. Um, Growth stocks, I guess, more broadly, um, taking some meaningful losses there. And some of those miners too, they were hit hard today, weren't they?
1: Yeah, Um, uh, BHP and Rio went ex-dividend, as did Woolworths. But also, I guess,
0: it's the story of the commodity prices at the moment too, copper... And those broader industrial metals and gold also coming off at the same time. Yeah, the,
1: the gold miners have had a couple of um, woeful days. It wasn't that long ago that gold was 1800 plus and the gold miners were on a tear. But of course, you know, 10 days is a long time in the markets and gold's now bumping around at 1700 and seems to be losing some friends pretty quickly and taking the gold miners with it.
0: Yeah, so of course, when you got that run up in long term rates, who benefits? Well, the, banks. the banks, we saw that today, didn't we?
1: Yeah, we, we sure did. I mean, banks uh, have ha- have hated flat curves and flat cash rates for so long, it's very hard to make a make a dollar when you don't have a steeper yield curve. And even though um, the, the fallout from higher interest rates, of course, is those tech stocks. And uh, so NASDAQ had a terrible session overnight and spilled into, for example, our binary. Buy now, pay later space had a particularly difficult uh, time of it today. But as you say, high bond yields great for banks, not great for tech stocks.
0: Okay, so with these high bond yields, it does raise the question obviously, we saw that intervention from our own RBA a few days ago. The question is, what's going to happen with the Fed? And today, we keep hearing about the twist, uh, the twist Mark Three. So uh, Annette, this is essentially selling shorter dated treasuries mm-hmm. to buy the longer dated bonds. Yep,
1: yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. So, Operation Twist is probably nearly a decade old now. That came about from the old green shoots of 2010, 2011. Uh, when again the curve started to steepen as it got optimistic and the Fed didn't like that um, at all and as uh, Scuddy and I did a little piece earlier today explaining Operation Twist 101 so have a hunt around uh, for that as well but it was very successful when you sell short to buy long the yield curve stepped down in two giant steps over the course of 2011-2012 so it was a successful strategy. The second reason it's successful is you are not tapering it's the same amount of money in the system you're just choosing the duration as to which you're targeting these purchases so you can't have a taper tantrum if there's no taper
0: yeah it's going to be interesting to see then obviously we've got the speech uh tonight f- yeah from yeah from tonight from the u.s fed reserve chair jerome powell so It'd be interesting to see whether he gives any hints away. He doesn't normally do that sort of thing, does he? Well,
1: he, it's, I guess it's not about hints, but the fact that uh, I noticed e-mini futures are down, so he the market seems to think he's not going to talk down interest rates or maybe, and probably more correctly, you're just taking some risk off the table because this is a uh, risk-driven event. Uh, We do know that the Fed speakers so far this week, uh, including Lael Brainyard overnight, you know, saying the Fed has extreme patience. So some soothing tones from that will take some of the sting out of these bond yields, but we'll wait and see how we open up Friday morning.
0: Okay, well, let's come back home. And of course, Annette, Yesterday we saw that impressive GDP figure of 3.1%. Today we got some a read on on retail sales showing a modest half a percent rise.
1: Yeah, when you look there, uh, Queensland had a snap lockdown. So by state, if you take out Queensland, it was a little healthier. Uh, Or if you look at it by product, um, there was a massive fall in clothing. So obviously, everybody bought up in the sales in December and decided not to buy any more in January. Uh, But I have to say, it was a stellar GDP report due to stellar consumer spending. So, the fact that the consumer still spent it all in January is setting us up for a very good first quarter.
0: Yeah, okay. So, sales, in fact, uh, still well above pre COVID levels. So, yeah, that's impressive. Look, another number was the trade surplus, $10.1 billion in January. That is a fresh record high.
1: Yeah, we love those fresh record highs. It's also the combination that we like, which was exports up 6% and imports down 2%. Uh, the only reason imports fell is because they had a massive run-up in the fourth quarter, some of that being... Uh, so, so investment equipment, some consumer goods. So, all of that stuff that we're buying online, a lot of that is imported, and that showed up in the December quarter. So, there was a small reversal there, uh, and not surprising, uh, we had uh, Sarah from BIS uh, Oxford telling, reminding us that a lot of that exports is prices. We all know that uh, commodity prices are on a tear, and that was a strong contributor to that ten billion dollar outcome today.
0: Yeah, right. In fact, if you want to put more numbers on that figure, uh, the trade account has now been in surplus for 37 consecutive months.
1: Thirty-seven. I grew up in the era of the Banana Republic when uh, when Keating said, if, if we don't turn around our trade, we are at risk of becoming a Banana Republic. So Keating must be quietly happy these days that we are exporting more than we are importing these days.
0: All right. So, yeah, gee, uh, reporting season seems like a long time ago now, doesn't it? Um, we're still getting trickles, but uh, obviously that you know, was football last week but uh still uh looking at, at how they performed um obviously dividends impressed uh bit of forward forward guidance there
1: bit of forward guidance and the other theme uh that's going to pop up in a in a cob newsletter soon is they're cashed up so even some companies have, have chosen covid as an opportunity to to get rid of underperforming assets raise some cash and so For some reason, uh, sorry, and for some reason travel stocks are going to pick up eventually because while they're furloughed at the moment they've got their balance sheet um, up and running and, and one of our conversations with uh, with Luke from Oracle is he had a couple of top picks in travel that all cleaned up their balance sheets and they're roaring to go we just need the uh, the barriers open be they state and international
0: yeah interesting just to see how you place yourself this as for as far as your stock picks are concerned in fact we're speaking. With Zach Riaz from uh, Banyan Tree Investment Group, just to get, well, he came up with three buyers for a, a five-year horizon, and one of them was um, Nanosonics, which you know at one stage there it was regarded as the, as the new CSL, and uh, you know he likes that because he says that it was sold off, uh, particularly in the lead up to reporting season, uh, but there's sort of a it's got a lot of valuation as far as new product development is concerned, which he's very positive about but uh, moreover uh, the fact that uh, it's a market leader in that disinfection industry if you like which has obviously been all the rage as far as COVID is concerned it's got close to 50% of market share so uh, that is a stock that he's liking a nanasonic but as far as the stock of the day is concerned and Annette you tease this Meyer, of course the retailer has been in so much trouble in recent yeah. years,
1: because they were the traditional bricks and mortar. Let's face it.
0: Well, now they see themselves as an online retailer.
1: Yeah. Did they say a, f- a was it a fifth? A fifth. A a that's fifth right. Of their-, of their of their revenue take is now online. So, like a lot of dinosaur companies they were dragged in kicking and screaming and I will lump Harvey Norman in that as well I think Harvey Norman was in trouble mm. I'd say five years ago I don't think that he would have had much in the way of foot traffic but they were very nimble shifted to online and as we know Harvey Norman was one of the retail outperformers uh, during this pandemic.
0: Yeah you mentioned the foot traffic obviously that was way down with a lot of the shopping centers closed but in fact online sales were up 70 percent so yeah on the call today koshi asked uh, andrew wyland from dp wealth advisory and john milroy from Manette about their thoughts of the results from Myer and also the way forward the result was great on a few fronts that that cash position is now up to 200 million because obviously they had some debt concerns so getting cash in the door is good that uh, increase in online sales as you said koshi 21 percent now of online of sales are now online our fifth consecutive quarter of cutting costs. So, you know, they're doing all the right things, but ultimately it really comes down to, and we are just talking about COVID before, what has that done relating to people's desire to go into a shop? Uh, or are they happier shopping online from the comfort of their comfy chair and iPad? I, I'm not a big Maya fan. It's great that they're turning it around. I think there are better retailers out there. JB Hi-Fi immediately springs to mind. But uh, yeah, let's uh, grab your popcorn and wait for Solly Lou's comments. We've just recently ceased coverage of the stock, sadly. I don't think any other reason than just a stretch wow. resource base or across the analysts, really, I think is probably the main reason. They seem to be perennially restructuring themselves since John King has come to the business. Yeah. Another five-point plan or another five-step plan to try and improve their outcomes. The costs are important to drag out of the business. They're clearly reducing their footprint across all the major um, department stores and, and giving up floor space through the likes of the Westfields and wherever else they may operate yep. as well. So Andrew's right, they're doing some of the right things, but clearly getting the, knowing your customer, getting the the right things that customers want to buy into the Mm. store and or online um, is is key to them and that's how they improve their business. Okay, so that is the view of John Milroy and Andrew Wyland and uh, Annette, what does Scuddy say? Yeah, that's... You're not in. Yeah, you're not in the portfolio from both of those guys. Uh, Yeah, obviously, Maya, yeah, it's still got a long way to go. All right, let's look ahead there's a lot to look ahead to, just in far as uh, who we've we got on the show tomorrow on Ausbiz, uh, Omkar Joshi, Principal and Portfolio Manager at Opal Capital. He'll give us his views. On the call, Claude Walker from a Rich Life and Jim lu from Trebeka Investment Partners. are so always favourites here on Ausbiz. And of course, Shane Oliver will give his, his thoughts at the end of the day. But um, that'll be interesting because there is a lot to go on too, data-wise, overnight, Annette, um, we've got the oil markets. They'll be perhaps, will they be put out of their misery just as far as the latest decision yeah, well, from OPEC yeah, Plus is concerned? OPEC
1: Plus. yep. Yeah, and, uh, and of course, Jobless Claims and Jerome Powell will be lots of fun. For tomorrow, we don't actually have macro, but for the last call, we're bringing in Felicity Emmett from ANZ and we're going to chew over growth and what the RBA thinks over a gin and tonic tomorrow afternoon.
0: Very nice. We do have those non-farm payroll figures out of the States. How important are they?
1: Uh, You know why they'll be important is... Because the last one was was terrible. I think the last one, the expectations were like one hundred and fifty thousand, and instead we got like forty nine thousand or, or something, uh, like being hit with a, a wet lettuce. Having said that, overnight the ADP report was literally half that what the market was looking for. So those whatever expectations you had for for tomorrow night have been shaved down. Uh, a little, but as we know, a lot of the indicators out of the US have been upbeat. So I still think there'll be a whisper number of at least 200,000 for tomorrow night.
0: All right, lots lots to look forward to overnight. We'll have all the analysis uh, on AusBiz tomorrow for Friday. Uh, Enjoy your Thursday night, Annette.
1: And we'll do it all again tomorrow.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: Cheers.